Hi, I wanted to introduce my guest today, Erin Gilmore. She's a yoga instructor in San Francisco. She talks about her journey to becoming a yoga instructor. And just so that you're aware, she does speak about eating disorders. So if that is a trigger for you, I wanted to make sure that you know about that before you dive into the episode. She speaks about how her eating disorder led her to yoga, and from that point also led her to becoming an instructor. And now she is moving into a different phase of her teaching and her desire to explore more about communication, about nonviolent communication, and learning to be able to communicate better with everyone in her life, which I think that we could all benefit from. Please enjoy this episode with Erin. Hello, and thank you for joining me today for another episode of Titanium Blonde Talks, the space that is for women to share their stories. This morning, I welcome Erin Gilmore. She is someone that I just found recently on Instagram, and I have to say that I truly love her honest, heartfelt posts that she puts up on her Instagram account. And I got to say, I love her music list. I follow her on Spotify now because boy, here is her intro on Instagram. My yoga class is like a dance with power moves set to the best playlist you've ever heard. Honesty, laughs, mistakes, here for you. Hashtags, confidently messy. This is like a woman who is after my own heart with all of this because it is just so personal and I love her shares and her music. I, if you go and find her on Spotify because she's got great music lists up there and you can certainly find enough to, if you're an instructor, find new music for your classes or just great music to listen to. Erin, Thank you so much for joining me today. Welcome. Thank you for having me, Sherry. And thank you for saying such kind things. You just made me feel so good about myself. Oh, well, good. That's good. That's what this is all about. I really am all about celebrating women and making sure that they do feel celebrated and special. So you're welcome. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Could you tell a little bit more about yourself and how you came to where you are today in terms of your yoga, your practice and your teaching mm. and anything else that you would like to share would be wonderful. All right. Um, well, I'm a yoga teacher in San Francisco. I'm from the Northeast. I'm from Cape Cod, Massachusetts, and I'm the youngest of uh, six kids. I have, I've been out here. This will be my 10th year. In September. Wow. Yeah, I moved out in 2009. So it's been it's been 10 years and I came out here actually on a whim. I had never been to California before. I just want to see what it'd be like. And then I never left. So. <laughs> well, you don't have to scrape snow or shovel your driveway. It was a big draw. That was a big draw for me was <laughs> the not having to, to survive winter, like really fight to stay here on earth. That did get me. But also I was looking for a slower pace because I had gone to Manhattan by that time for school. Was doing this whole a whole track, which now when I look back, do you ever look back at certain times and I'm think, wow, that didn't fit. Like you're really telling yourself what to do. Like you're gonna do this thing. Oh yeah. Because yep. this is our identity. And we're just, even if it's not fun anymore, 
keep doing it. There's that. And there's the fact that I've been doing a lot more research into stories, familial Mm -hmm. stories, Mm -hmm. and what we hear from our families, that input that we get that happens at the most impressionable times in our lives. And not only that, but that some of it is genetic. Some of the things that we have those crappy conversations in our head are from stories that are from our grandparents, our great grandparents that we don't even have to own, but somehow we ended up with them downloaded. I look at things like that. And yes, I absolutely understand that. You are the second person that I have done an interview with who said, I was doing this thing and it was so totally not me. And when she told me what she was doing, I was like, I can't even envision (laughs) That, that that's you. That doesn't even fit at all. So what were you doing when you were in school? Well, here's the thing. I Now that you said that about things you heard at, at certain times at very developmental, critical times, I come from a very supportive family. I'm very blessed in that way. And sometimes support, we can take it and contort it inside or, you know, it's not even really about what they say, but it's about what we hear. What I heard was, you're so pretty. You're so, your package, your package is your thing, girl. Make that package shine. And so, you know, I liked fashion anyways. I loved getting dressed. I loved going to thrift stores. I loved playing. And then I started to get more attention uh, from my clothes. I was like, I must be a fashion designer. Like that's my thing. (laughs) Even though I hate sewing. I don't have a for dressing. I'm like, it's just, it's actually not me at all. I just liked getting dressed and there's nothing wrong with that. You don't have to be a fashion designer just because you like getting dressed, you know? True. That's true. Most of us do get dressed every day. So, and it doesn't make us, you know, have to be the next Gucci label. So I really, I set all of my eggs in that basket and I was committed even as I wasn't moving forward with it, even as you're you're stalled and you keep saying you're this thing, but there's no evidence other than your words. And sometimes you get into it and you think, I can't stop now. I don't mm-hmm. want to disappoint other people or I don't want to tell myself this isn't my story. You know, maybe if I just stick with it a little longer, I'll feel right. better about the whole thing. All of those inner conversations that we tend to have. One of these days I'm going to wake up and I'm going to sit down at that sewing machine and I'm going to learn how <laughs> <laughs> You're almost done with fashion school, but you're going to learn this so soon. Um, <laughs> it just, it wasn't the right environment for me. And I was, I was shrinking myself and stuffing myself smaller and smaller and smaller to fit into this idea mm. that I had. And then it just became, I was deeply anorexic and bulimic. So it came about about that. And it wasn't even this cool city I'm living in or this, or this passion that I had for, for clothes. It just became about the the disorder. So I needed a change. I had a little journey that ended up taking me to San Francisco. The journey that got me here was not fun, a little hectic, but there, one of your questions was where does bravery turn into foolhardiness? Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. You can. And I just, thought about that a little bit where like some people say to me when I say, you know, I'd never been to California. I'd never even been to past the East Coast. Um, <laughs> in country. So people are like, wow, that's so brave of you to come out here. And I was like, oh, I don't know if it was brave. I was dating a guy that my parents were correct about and was a horrible person. <laughs> and I, you know, it was just more like, I don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm kind of 
kind of running, I guess. I felt it felt more like running than bravery. You know, okay. it was just a lot okay. of, of foolishness involved in that. Detours are part of your path. And even if it felt like a detour, it got me to a place that I it got me to teaching where I probably wouldn't have found that path had I not took that ugly detour. So how long have you been teaching for? Uh, I started so I was out here for about a year and a half. Um, taking classes at Yoga to the People, where I was taking classes back in Manhattan. And I felt very serendipitous. And I was very self-centered. And I thought the universe was like, we put a studio that you like right down the street from you in this new place that you moved. We got you, girl. You know, when you're young and just like everything's for you. It's all about you. Um, So I was going to Yoga to the People all the time. And the teachers there were becoming my friends. And they're saying, you know, you should be a teacher. You should be a teacher. And I was a swim teacher. I was a swim coach. Swim lesson instructor. So it wasn't that big of a jump. And I took the teacher training in 2011 and I started teaching for them at the end of it, right at the end. And I've been teaching ever since. So it'll be eight years in March. What a great story. It's always interesting to me how, as I look at my story of my practice happening and then how I came in to be a teacher, and mm-hmm. it's a 25 year, 26 year story at yeah. the beginning of the whole thing, teaching for 17 years of that. And, and I look back on that and I think how much has changed in the world overall, mm-hmm. in my life in that microcosm of that. And then a layer deeper is, is my teaching and how I approach it and mm-hmm. all of that. It's, it's so interesting to listen to how people find their way to their mat. And then if they become teachers, how they make that transition into teaching. I had a question from someone this summer who asked me, she said, Oh, you're a yoga teacher. I said, yeah, I've been teaching yoga for 16 years. And mm-hmm. she was like, don't you ever get bored with teaching? And I was like, uh, no, it's, it's a different, pra- you know, it's a different practice every time I step on my mat. Now, the thing for me is that sometimes I get burnt out and there are right. times when I can't do I one like, more goddamn down dog. Yeah, very different. Yeah, I agree. And so then I step back a little bit from my personal practice or mm-hmm. I take a bit of a vacation and I just don't teach at all. I'm at a place and I don't know if you've noticed that over the years with your teaching is, is that come to a point in time where it's like, it's time to kind of shake up my teaching schedule. Yep. It's time to make some changes in there somehow. I don't know what that looks like yet, but, but yeah. I did that last year. That was my, but I, I don't know if you experienced this. I have. And one of my friends who's a life coach was talking to me yesterday and she was saying men don't have the same problem, but regardless that women take our jobs a lot more personally, they'll quit a job for more money. And they're like, men will, will like move on to the next, move on to the next. And they'll see ends quicker than women do. And we'll stay in something because we're attached to being needed in this place or we're attached to serving these people or whatever it is we're doing in our job. Yeah, I had a I couple of classes that. and it doesn't even have to be men do it this way, women do it this way. But I had a couple of classes that were no longer serving me and they were draining me and the pay was about half what I make. Yeah. So, and I, but I kept going because I had been teaching these same people at this tech company for five years. I was invested in them and they were invested in me. I cried so hard the last day. I like, as soon as I put them in a half pigeon towards the end, I'm like, uh, switch your legs. 
just <laughs> so sad to leave this class. And, and you know, it's not that big a deal. They could come to my public classes. We still live in the same city. Yeah, of all course. Of it's course, not yeah. a big deal. Uh, they'll be fine without me. I'll be fine without them. I had a really hard time letting go of classes last year. I let go of three classes that I had had for five plus years and did it because I could make more money and I needed change. I just, that schedule felt so stale. Yeah. See that, that's the thing is it starts to feel a little stale. You know, I even noticed that. So there was one place that I taught at. So she sought me out. It, it was about halfway into the beginning of my teaching and she's a physical therapist and an occupational therapist. And she came to me and said, I really need to have a yoga instructor who understands the body and the physical therapy and the occupational therapy aspects so that I can transition my patients from their OT and PT into a yoga class and help them continue to move on. Otherwise, they're going to end up back working with me in mm -hmm. six months or a year, worse off than they were. So it was really great. And the space was not ideal, but it was still a nice, bright, open space with views of the Olympic Mountains and the sunshine. And I mean, and this group that showed up was this really wonderful group of people and everyone took care of each other and watched out for each other. Yeah. And just, it was so heartwarming. And then then they moved to a different space and the space never felt good. It was too dark. It yeah. had, you know, plastic wood on the floor, on top of concrete. It, I mean, it just was never the right space. And I, I continue to teach there, but I things transitioned and I cut my schedule back a little bit. It was like, I hate to do this, but I just, I'm just not feeling and I love those people, still love those yeah. people. A lot of those people are still my students. But And then she lost the lease and closed the whole thing down. So that made it really easy for me right. to be able to move on. It was really hard, mm -hmm. really hard to do. So I feel your pain. You miss seeing those people and the the whole group dynamic when they used to all get together was fabulous. Yeah. So Oh, yeah. Some yeah. of them have... I've, I've taught yoga at some of their weddings. I've met their kids that they've just had, you know, like I've really watched these people and they've watched me over the last five years. And, and the thing that I did talk about this on Instagram a little bit, but the thing that was so moving for me about, about these classes was that I, I took them on when I was about two and a half, three years into teaching. And mm -hmm. I, I was two and a half years into teaching. I was not great. Like, you know, like <laughs> I was very infantile you know like it's just it's so new and I was figuring out my own style and I was figuring out my own voice like for a while there I imitated my teacher who was a, a skateboarder who ran away from home really early and like talks like no problems Aaron only solutions Aaron and like you know I, I didn't have my own voice <laughs> and these people still came to my god-awful class and that's that's so moving when people support you because they know something's important to you or you know, like they stand by you while you figure it out and watch you grow. And, you know, it's just so it was so moving that they did that. Well, the thing for me that I tell my students and the same thing that I tell new new teachers who ask me, you know, questions is we all had to start at the beginning. Right. right? Nobody comes to a practice knowing everything. And as far as I'm concerned, you can never know everything there is to okay. know about yoga. There is always something new to learn. Yeah. That whole thing of finding your voice, of finding your style, of 
transitioning as huge. I mean, we're not static in our lives. So our practice can't be static, right? The thing that is so important though, is that you have to let go of your expectations and be able to meet yourself where you are in that particular moment in time, wherever it is that you are, whether it's on your mat or whether it's in your life. And sometimes that's easier said than done in my experience. Uh, I that's always easier said than done in my opinion. When things don't go the way I pictured, that's one of my biggest tests. Oh, God, do I I cling. (laughs) I was a competitive athlete. I played power volleyball for years. I played softball for close to 40 years. And it's so funny when I first started teaching, the first class that I started teaching was on the night that I used to play volleyball. And so I was foregoing playing volleyball and all of, and I played volleyball for 10 years with the same group of women. Mm. And the first night that I wasn't there, everyone was like, where's Sherry? How come Sherry's not here? And my teammates were like, well, Sherry's teaching yoga. And they were like, Sherry? <laughs> yoga? Because <laughs> I am a very, very competitive person. Yeah. And I have this very loud outside voice that I can use. But yeah. there was something that the former ballerina in me found in yoga that was incredible. Yes. Same. And it was just so amazing that that journey that I went on and where I started. And like you, I mean, I was a baby and I went through this quickie training so that I could get certified because I had some place that wanted to hire me to teach. And then after I got into it, I was like, I need more help. And Mm -hmm. then I went through a a full-fledged teacher training with over 500 practical hours in teaching and had a a mentor and it was the best thing that I've ever done. Most yoga teachers that I talk to talk about being perpetual students. You're always learning. There's always something new you want to learn, whether it's anatomy, you know, whatever it is. That's the sort of the key is that I think that you are this person that wants to keep learning, that you want to know more about what's going on as you're on your journey. So let me ask you this. What does balance look like in your life? (laughs) Oh, I hated that question. Um, (laughs) You know, sometimes I guess I have a similar experience to you when people sometimes find out that I'm a yoga teacher and they've interacted with me in some other way. And they're like, huh, you're a yoga teacher. (laughs) Interesting. <laughs> because of whatever, because I'm loud or because I have a temper, or whatever it is that, that makes oh, me yeah. feel like I wouldn't be suitable for a Zen yoga teacher. But I, I call I'm myself like, a yoga teacher with an edge. Yeah, yeah, I definitely have an edge and, and a, a bluntness to me. And I'm very flawed, complex human being, just like everyone else. And I want us all to have the space to be this complex human beings that have a lot going on. Sometimes I go on Instagram and I feel like everyone's sharing their like wellness rituals and like, oh my good rituals. And I'm like, I only have bad habits. I don't have rituals. <laughs> like I am a deeply flawed person still. I'm really good at teaching a yoga class. I'm really good at talking about philosophy. I love this stuff. I live for it. But I'm still on my path, (laughs) very much on my journey. And I struggle with balance so much. I'm so extreme. I've just always been so extreme. People will describe me as extreme. Intense is another one that I've had to like work around and be like, actually, intense isn't an insult. It's kind of fine. Like intense is fine. I've I've heard those descriptors too, you know, overly passionate. 
Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. You're so passionate or that shit crazy. And I'm like, thank either. you. That's I great. <laughs> yes, I am. I am. You know what I hate more than anything? Apathy. Apathy just, yeah. it, it sucks the life out of me. It disgusts me almost because I'm just like, you're not paying attention. If you are apathetic yeah. about anything, I'm just like, it's dishonest just, almost. It's dishonest because presence is honest. Being there and caring is honest, you know? Oh, I don't care. Lazy. And also, I I look at, you know, and social media is a love hate relationship for me. Yeah, I feel like it is for everyone because it's not that healthy. It's really not. Well, it's it's not. You know, I have met some incredible people. Same, same right. We wouldn't be having this conversation were it not for social. Correct, media. correct. And met many of them in person and realized that they're just more fabulous in person than anything that they could ever post on on, on social media. Yeah. Right. I look at stuff like that. And then I look at people who post about these articles about what successful people do. Right. So they, they get eight hours of sleep a night. They meditate every morning. They read, they write in the morning. They don't pick up their phones. First thing, all of these things. And I'm thinking, I've never seen a screen. What is the internet? Their kids don't know. Like they're perfect. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I look at that and I think that happens to be success for them. But I'm wondering if all of those things that they're doing, while they may feel like they're enriching their life, is that really a crutch? Is that some space that they're sliding into because they, it's become a habit that they feel that they can't function without it. I'm a Gemini. Anything to me, that's the same old thing every single fucking day makes yeah. me want to just pull all of my hair out. Okay. Oh, I would love to hear. I live with a, a Gemini. I've been dating a Gemini for five years. So it's, yeah. Oh, okay. I would be interested on your insights into Geminis. Um, well, boring is like a slow death to me. Having to do the yeah. same thing the same way every yeah. single day would make me a stark, raving, crazy woman. Me too. So I, I look at stuff like that and I see those messages and I think that is telling people that if you don't live your life like this, then you will not be successful. And I think that success is a very personal thing and that you have to find those things. And to be honest with you, I think that the more fluidity that you can bring into your life to be able to ride the waves that come through, you're not always going to have everything be in balance. There are going to be days when your surfboard is tilted all the way over and you're getting ready to fall off of that. Right. Right. (laughs) And I just feel like that's that's more real. And I've always internally kind of bashed myself a little bit because... I am an unexpected yoga teacher. Like I don't have rituals and I do have a lot of bad habits and I would feel really shitty about myself that I'm not more put together or so. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that it's, I don't think it's bad one way or the other. If they really are happy in their rituals, that's fine. Be happy in your rituals. But I've struggled a lot with balance. And I also just do, I do tiptoe lightly around, do you know, okay. I just pulled her up. Alex Otter. Alex. Yes. yes. Do you follow her on Instagram? Yes, Um, I do. Yesterday she put up a post calling out to be magnetics account. Yes. um, Yes. Saying so their post was money is just another form of energy. Once you realize that and get into your worth, the universe becomes your bank. And she posted over at white supremacy. 
And she explained why this is dangerous to say to people, because unless your tactic works for all people, it doesn't actually work. It's just bullshit. And you just have the the facade to tell these people who have the money, look at this way that works, because look at my beautiful facade. So well, I, it's a little dangerous for me with the like, use these rituals to get your perfect life. And like, you know, especially exactly. when I'm doing an eating disorder, like I don't follow a lot of food accounts because yeah, it makes me feel worse than it does inspire me. I followed so many to be like aspirational. Like I'm going to be a healthy cook and my smoothies are going to look like art. And I never did that. My smoothies still look like shit. And like <laughs> those counts just bum me out. Like they just make me feel bad about myself. And here's the deal. You know that those freaking smoothie pictures took over an hour for them to make it look perfectly and then take those pictures and edit the hell out of them. You know what? You're just going to drink it. It doesn't need to look beautiful. I just want it to taste good. (laughs) It's not me. It's another thing that I'm like, this sweater doesn't fit, but it might. So. Yeah, I need to. Get, well, I actually need to do more unfollowing on Instagram and get more channeled down to like not not just following things because they are aesthetically pleasing and aspirational. Maybe one day I will look as put together as that blogger. Well, that's the thing, and you know, and it's so funny because I have had, I've worn my hair short for years, and I've had people ask me who does my hair, can they take pictures of my hair? They ask me what lip gloss I wear, and it's like it's not that big a deal, but that always makes me laugh. And I'm like, sure. And I tell them my hairdresser, but she doesn't take any new clients. And her thing is, is Sherry, not everybody can wear your hair, and I hate to have to be the one to tell them they can't wear your hair. The funny thing is, is I have had more than one new student walk up to me after class and say, Yeah, I just wasn't sure about you in the beginning with the hair and the lip gloss and the splashy <laughs> yoga pants and everything, you know, but you teach a really great class. Oh, I love Thank those. you. I love that. <laughs> that was actually good is one that I got. I was like, what? <laughs> what was the qualifier there? You made your compliment suck. <laughs> <laughs> so you left fashion. Yeah. What, what else besides yoga is your passion? My passion is... And has always been psychology, science, and people. I'm so interested in people. And mm, me too. And I love talking to people for hours about like just like this, like like about our feelings and about different things we've heard. Those are my people. I just love when we can get get lost in in talking about our feelings or philosophizing about just everything. So that's what I've been trying to do more of because for a while I was like oh I should do this training and I should should do this training on alignment and I should do that but like that stuff doesn't light me up that much honestly so I've been doing more trainings with nonviolent communication because that does light me up that's powerful for me more trainings on um, on trauma I love learning about trauma I love 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 trauma well there's a lot of people out there walking around with a lot of trauma 80 percent roughly 80% of us have had some big trauma in our lives or will have. I feel like it's everyone though. Like, I don't know. I don't know why. Like maybe those 20% are just, they're doing amazing. Like (laughs) I 
I, I got to say, I've never met anyone who has. Neither have I. Know, I haven't met what one. People of would call a perfect life, right? Without any pain or any trauma or this idyllic childhood or whatever it is that people think happens. It is one of the biggest. And it, it can just be very, it, it doesn't have to be like one incidental moment. It could just be like, you know, a really tough childhood. You know, that's, yeah. that's a long one. That's a big one. Yeah. That, runs, yeah. that river runs deep learning more about how to talk to each other in a way that is not triggering and makes the other person feel heard and seen. That's like one of my biggest passions. And I'm having a really interesting time figuring out where I want my work to go. I guess I'm having like a, a transition place with, with my work. Cause I always got in with the intention. I am here to tell every girl with an eating disorder, you don't have to live this way. That was why I took my teacher training like that. This fixed me and it can, it can help you like rewire. And now it's been about eight years and I'm not doing work with girls with eating disorders. I'm doing work with the general public. And I'm starting to wonder if that's kind of like my fashion designer storyline where it was like started as this one thing and it ended up turning into something totally different. I think that's just a natural progression. You yeah. are not Still that same person who walked through that door with that eating disorder looking for some way to be able to move beyond where you were. Right. You have, I look at stuff like that and people who say, oh, you know, you must be so zen. You must be so, you know what? I am not some inanimate thing that sits on a lotus blossom all right. day. No, I work full time. I teach yoga. I take care of my granddaughter. I got shit going on i yell at cars when i drive because i have driving i kicked out your objects that i walk into (laughs) i hurt myself twice just to let that chair know who's boss (laughs) that's insane but you know like you said we're all deeply flawed human beings we all make mistakes it doesn't mean that any of us are the sum total of our flaws or our mistakes Mm-hmm. It just means that those are mm-hmm. the things that we move through in life and we either learn from them and sometimes we have to keep learning over and over until we actually gather all that shit we were supposed to learn so we don't have to stay, step in the same bucket again over and over and over and over again. But I think that after looking so much at things like childhood trauma mm-hmm. and repressed memories and internalization and old stories that we own for whatever reason and looking at all of that stuff and being able to go, I'm not looking for an excuse. I'm not looking to make excuses. What I am looking for is to learn about what happened so I can understand why I made the choices I made so that now I can make different choices that I can make maybe better choices. Not saying I'm not still going to make mistakes because I figure if you're not still making mistakes, you might as well be dead. But those are the things it's just like, nobody has that picture perfect life. When you look at pictures on social media, that's a snapshot, a very curated snapshot for some people. Yeah. So it doesn't, it doesn't tell the whole story. I see all these people of, you know, sign up for my, my online webinar or my online classes or my this. And it's like, and sometimes I sign up for those things and I really enjoy them. And sometimes I sign up for those things and walk away going, you know, that that really didn't do a thing for me. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's why it's so so many of us offering. You can find a lot at work. There you go. And just because someone else, 
somehow managed to gain 5,000 followers from their email right. list by right. doing X, Y, and Z. doesn't mean that's going to happen for you, mm -hmm. but it's, it's all of those things. I feel like you put them into the pop, the hopper, you shake them all up and then you figure out what works for you. And there is where it comes in that whole piece you were talking about apathy and about yeah. paying attention and about finding something that lights you up and continuing to stick with it. Well, that's the, I guess that's the hard part is like so many parts of this light me up and I feel a little like all over the place, like a little scattered. And so I, I wish I envy people who are more streamlined, who are like, this is my app and this is what we do on my app and I'm going to push this app and that is my message and this is my message and this is clear. And I'm like, I think about this something sometimes. Ooh, look at that. I think about this and this and this and this and this. And I'm putting a little bit of energy into a lot of different places. And I Yep, me too. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like maybe that's just no. how our brains work and we like to put a little bit a lot of different places so we can keep it exciting for ourselves and different. But I do think I want I think I want a little bit more streamlining this year. I was just looking for a career coach, which I don't know why I kind of balked at the idea of having a life coach or a career coach. And now I think I want a career coach. Like it's hard being your own boss sometimes. I'm just making this it all is. up. I'm making all of this shit up. Like I'm yeah. made up the last eight years of my life. You've made up the last 16 years of your life with your, your yoga career. You just make it up and you piecemeal it together. I think I would like somebody to like, I would like to pay somebody to bounce ideas off of, <laughs> off of and, well, and get some, some help. It's so funny that you should bring that up. I, for a little over a year, worked with a business mentor mm. in a small group format online. Okay. I used to overwhelm everyone in the group because I had so many things going yeah. on at once, yeah. right? I'm writing stuff for a workshop. I'm writing stuff for an ebook. I'm writing stuff for an online class. I'm yeah. thinking about how I can put yoga online for my students who can't make my classes anymore. Right. Yep. How am I going to create this podcast and my website and all of the things that I want to do to help support Wait, women because it's so important. Me. Eight years in. You what? I'm eight years in and oh, I'm yeah, yeah. like, I've, I know certain things I just don't, I don't like doing. So I'm like, yeah, that doesn't exist, but it <laughs> like it should. And people ask me for a website a lot. I'm like, yep, don't have one. Do you have Instagram? <laughs> So like well, and, things I would like to, to nail down and do. Well, and what was great is that she was able to say to me, what is the piece that you're working on? Right. Cause I just felt overwhelmed at the same time and trying to do it all. And she said, what is the piece that lights you up the most? And I said, the podcast. And she said, then give yourself mm. the next three months to just learn about podcasts, to listen to as many as you can, figure out what you like, what you don't like, make notes, learn about how you can record, how you can do the things you want. She said, just give yourself the time to do that and slow down. And for me, uh, you know, I have a friend who says, Sherry, your slow and steady is like most people's warp speed. Right. So for me to be able to downshift was incredibly unusual for me to be able to hear her say that and go, she's giving you permission. Now you have to give yourself permission was incredible. So 
I, you know, whether you, whether you find someone to do it with one-on-one or whether you find a group, Mm -hmm. I, it's incredibly helpful to be able to, like you said, bounce ideas off of someone. You can have someone who can then give you ideas back and you can sift and sort through those and go, this one works for me. This one doesn't. And it's all trial and error. And I would just say to you, give yourself the time, as much time as it requires, because it took me much longer than I anticipated it was going to be, to be able to pull all of this together and to be able to come to the place where I'm at today. There are days now when I go, I am happily surprised. And everyone says that I shouldn't be, but I'm happily surprised that I have gotten such a welcoming response from so many women women that I have reached out to to mm-hmm. do interviews with mm-hmm. because most of these people don't really even know me yeah. right and so it's this thing of I have this have always had this incredible urge to figure out or find out where people come from how they ended up where they are all the stuff they went through along the way and some people think I'm just being nosy but mm-hmm. I'm really truly about that human experience that leads them to where they are today. And so that's why this whole thing for me is just, I've had some incredible, every single woman who said yes, Mm. has had incredible stories. And I just felt that there was not enough platforms for women to be able to celebrate and support each other and be there for each other. And I'm sitting on my couch in my freaking yeah. living room. I know, I'm sitting in bed right now with my headphones on, my glasses on. Like, this is so nice. And this is a Thursday morning. Like, most people are at work. Right. Other people. I mean, we're technically at work in my pajamas. I got back my pajamas after my first class and grocery shopping. <laughs> Now, see, that I'm into. You go out and you do your thing, and then you come home and put your pajamas back on. I have clothes. My house water. (laughs) And everyone's like, you wear yoga clothes for a living. It's like, yeah, but I need to get home and get more comfortable. But no. no. It's not good for your skin to be in yoga pants all the time. Your skin needs to breathe, you guys. So we're we're There you you go. That's it. You know? Give it some room. Let's, I want to talk about this. What is something that you wish more women understood in their lives? A couple of things. I wish women could identify their needs easier. Like I think we're really good at identifying our feelings. I think we need to just go that next step and be like, I feel this because my need for this is not being met or because I feel this because my need for this is being met. And it's great. That was something that was brought up at the nonviolent communication training. And it was just, it really resonated with me. I identify my feelings a lot. And then I stop there. She said, you know, she, in her experience, this, this uh, teacher who's been teaching for almost 50 years, I've just noticed that women feel their feelings easier and men notice their needs easier and they feel their feelings a little more challenging. So I was like, oh, well, I feel my feelings pretty easily and I don't feel my needs that easily. So I will, I will take that in and I've been working on it and it's been amazing. It's not just sitting there going, I'm mad. I'm mad. I'm upset. It's like, I'm upset because my need for what is not being met. Right. And how do I remedy this? And now I can get a strategy and now I can move on. I wish women would talk about money more. Mm, I there think you go. so taboo for us. And I think we're so like, well, if you want to pay me, like that's cool. Or you could just like high five me. And I'm talking to more of my friends about money. I'm making a very concerted effort to talk to other yoga teachers about money. And I don't know what got into me, but in the last two years, I became a negotiator and a damn good one. 
because my classes sell out and you give me a time slot and I'm going to build that time slot. I know I teach a good class. I have finally gotten confidence in myself that I can do this thing and I do it well. And I bring you more money than anyone else. So I expect you to pay me more money than anyone else. And I'm not going to no for an answer. So I've been told by a few studio owners, wow, you really don't let it go. I'm like, let what go? And they're like, you know, the money thing. Like you just, you, you really more than anyone, like talk about the money and like go after the money. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like I'm doing a great because job I, and I'm bust my Because ass. I know what I'm worth. Like, oh, well, Cause you know what yeah, you're but, worth. But like, I don't just show up and go like, what? And this is nothing wrong. Lots of teachers do this and this is fine. If that's their flow, it is not my jam. I don't show up and say like, how are you guys feeling? Like what, what, give me suggestions as to what you to teach you. Like I show up and I have a playlist and I have a sequence that matches that playlist and it makes sense and it's cohesive. And I have thought about what I'm, what quotes I'm going to talk to you about. Like I do my work outside of class and I expect to be that to be reflected in my, and it really honestly pisses me off when teachers work for shit pay. It really bothers me and I really wish they would stop because even if it is your hobby or your side gig or you like, you know, you're making great money in the tech world and you're teaching one or two classes a week. If you agree to teach for $15, you're hurting all of us. Yes. You're hurting all of us. Well, and that, that was my yoga mentor, you know, because when I started 17 years ago, $15 a class was the standard pay. Yeah. It's walk-in. For, you know, for group, group fitness instructors or whatever. So when I was teaching at her studio, it it was a much different setup than when I, if I was, because the first place I was teaching at was a a health club because that's who hired me. Yeah. She was always like, when I got ready to go out and do some private sessions, she's like, Sherry, you need to charge what you're worth. She said, don't undersell yourself. You really are an excellent instructor. And she said, and you deserve to be paid because you've done the work to get to where you are today. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I have come across a place where I was working and teaching and they expected me as a part of my salary to teach without getting paid for my instruction. And I kind of let it go. And then I was like, when it came time to renegotiate, it's like, I don't give my time away for free. I don't give my time. I'm not a volunteer. Like this isn't a volunteer thing. This is my work. And I have, I have spent a lot of time and money and continue to spend time and money to progress further in myself as an instructor. So I'm going to have to say that I need to be paid for this outside yeah. of the and being able to say that firmly mm-hmm. and with conviction mm-hmm. without being on the defense or being right. too oh, in someone's cute. face about yeah. it is that is a that's a very delicate I have balance. A rule for myself because I have a temper and I know my I'm getting oh, to know my too. temper better. <laughs> and when I do find out that that I'm not being paid as much as maybe another teacher and my numbers are a lot better. I feel very hot inside my body. <laughs> I'm very upset. <laughs> so I wait. I keep this information. I wait until I can think about it without my heart rate going up. Yeah. And that's when I know I can have the conversation with yeah. whoever I need to have the conversation with. Because if my heart rate still goes up or if I still feel that heat, 
this is going to go to shit. This is going to be a terrible conversation. I'm going to go in there defensive. I'm going to go in there aggressive. I'm going to go in there. I, you owe me this blame, criticize. Like, so I, and even if I didn't feel it at the time, I'm one of my favorite, favorite people who comes to my class is a woman in her, I won't say her mid sixties. She's so fucking funny. And she gives me great advice all the time or just great, great thoughts. And she just said, send them love send them, you you feel, you seem very upset. And even if you don't mean it, send them love, it will help you. And I was like, I'd rather send them hate mail. Honestly, I I don't have any love to send them. So sorry, not this house, try next door. And I did, I sent her love and, and, and I started the conversation lovingly. And I said, you know, we've been working together for a long time. I love you. You, you supported me so much. You've given me so much, really appreciate it. And I want us to be on the same page. I feel like I've been making a lot of money for you and I would love for that to be reflected in my pay so that we both feel appreciated and acknowledged and we can go into this year and kick ass. Oh, that that's perfect. That's and a really great way to... It was just like, done. Like, she gave me more money than I even wanted. I had oh, a number in my well. head that I didn't say and she said a different one and I was like, yep, that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> you made it palatable for her to be able to have that conversation and put it on a level where she could understand because it is mutually beneficial for her as it is for you to be able to continue this relationship and it needs to be symbiotic for both of you shout my my places that i teach at from the rooftops and be like they come here they like this this studio that that i teach at in the marina yoga flow on union street pays more money than any other studio in San Francisco. Now I can say that honestly, that they pay me so fair. So, 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 so fair. <laughs> like that's that's the places that I feel like people need to know that this, yeah. this place where your money goes, your teacher actually receives it. Yes. Stop going to yeah. core power. Your teacher doesn't yeah. get any of that money. Like that, those are the places <laughs> that drive me crazy. I wish the yoga community not the teachers, the students would do just a little bit of due diligence and educate themselves on the studio that they are going to. Yeah. Is that if the, the, do you know the drop in for core power? Do you know how much it is? No. $27. Do you know, you know how much the girl or boy and whoever is teaching that class is making $15. So they make their worth is less than one half of a person taking their class. That's God. what that does. That's what that says loud and clear. And so that their their whole method, it's just mass producing yoga teachers. They have these teacher trains and they mass produce them. And yeah, they see so that I have to share their craft and they're so excited that yeah, fifteen dollars, cool. I don't even care. I'd do this for free. I love this. And then they then they do it and they do it and then they start to realize they're getting taken advantage of and they quit. Doesn't matter. We have a new batch right here. Bam. So it's like it's yeah. things like that where I'm like, this is the antithesis of yoga. The, the place that you're you're frequenting if you're going to core power this is this is profit this is pure profit this is not about people in any way yeah and that's that's sucky okay i'm going to segue into this if you could have a billboard with anything on it what would it be and why you can bullshit me but don't bullshit yourself and that's what my dad used to say to me all the time when i was a kid <laughs> like my favorite thing but he would say it he was like anytime i would tell him something that was a lie he would be like hey kid bullshit me but don't bullshit yourself and just walk away <laughs> damn it i love that that's that's perfect that's a good that's burn perfect. yeah because it was okay. just a way of saying like i see you i see that you're not being honest with anybody right now and right 
that's not productive for you. And I'm not going to shame you for it or anything. You can lie to me all you want, but it's not productive for you. Try and be honest with yourself. Who or what has been your biggest inspiration? My aunt, um, my dad's sister, and I have a lot in common. And she had a really hard life. She made some. She made a lot of decisions that um, negatively impacted the quality of her life. And we have a lot of the same uh, traits, like our emotions and, and how we deal with things. And she passed on New Year's Eve day, just a day after we had gotten back from vacation together. And she called me and I ignored my phone call. I ignored her phone call because I was bulimic at the time and I was staying in that night to binge and purge. And, um, and she died and I was her last phone call. And that inspired me to change my life and inspired me to I think about Helen all the time when I'm having a hard time like I want to live for her like I want to just take as much goodness as I can and put it out there because she had so much goodness to give and it got lost and I it like snapped me as soon as she died I packed my stuff that day and left New York and went home and made changes so it was like that was like my my switch and she inspired me to not go down that same path that she did. That's a really beautiful story. Yeah. Thank yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Where do you feel most present? I feel most present in front of a class. I feel most present um, teaching because there's so much going on. And I think maybe that is useful for our brains because we like to like have so much going on and it's like <laughs> the music, the heat, the like the the sequencing, the the talking about the heart stuff, like watching this person have this interaction and watching this person be patient with themselves and watching this person be frustrated with themselves. You know, you're you're watching this beautiful human exit like, you know, human experience happening in front of you and unfolding in front of you. And I find it so moving. Sometimes I just cry and Shabas and I have to like get my shit together and leave them in Shavasana for an extra second because it's just it's so I find it so moving and I really I really want to be there for the for those things that's very that that's it's interesting how many yoga teachers say the same thing it has something to do with being on their mat or teaching or mm -hmm. being in that arena is where they feel most present mm -hmm. what do you continually ask yourself why are you like this <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. <laughs> I mean, I really do ask myself that a lot, but like kind of just in like a joking way. I ask myself, I get really frustrated with my silences and I ask myself, oh. um, that's been a, a theme since I was a little girl that's been detrimental to me. It's just this paralysis in silence. Most of the time I'm like you, I'm like, here's my opinion. And I'm going to turn it up just in case you can't hear me. But, <laughs> but I, I, sometimes I have. I've never heard, I've never heard anyone describe it like that. And <laughs> that's good. You just want to make sure they can hear you. <laughs> I want to make sure the people in the back can hear right, me. Everyone, the whole room. I just want to make sure yeah. you can hear this one back. Yeah. So I just had some really violent silences and, and afterwards uh, it just, I, I'm like filled top to bottom with regret that I didn't use my voice. So that's something I ask myself a lot. Like, why couldn't you use your voice? Or why couldn't you say to that person, no, that's not funny. That's actually hurtful. Or stop yeah. touching me. Or I'm uncomfortable. Or 
that was rude what you just said to her you know like my silences make me very frustrated sometimes i i boy yeah i understand that completely and running conversations over my head and saying yeah. to myself why didn't you say this right. and why didn't you tell someone that they hurt your feelings with what they said and yeah. why didn't you set a boundary and that's one of the one things i learned in a therapy session is she's like sherry you don't set your boundaries oh my and God. she said and, and the ones that you do set yeah. you let people run all over the top of totally. and she said and it's and it's interesting because you are a powerful person, yeah. yet you you allow, she said, it's easier for you to stand up for other people than it is for you to stand up for yourself. I so deeply relate with that. So deeply. And she said, so we need to start talking about what happened and when back in your childhood, in your past that set you on this path, because you do need to set boundaries and it is okay for you to make people respect them. Right. And it is okay, even if it's somebody that you love and care about, that you let them know that they've just trampled all over a boundary. Yeah. And I go, well, is it a little too late for some of that now? And she's like, no. But she said, you're going to get pushback every time oh, you do yeah. that too. So I, I understand those those violent silences and, and not violent in terms of towards anybody else, but violence towards yourself. Those those yeah. violent conversations that we have in our head. Yeah. yeah. And just sitting there like stuffing your feelings and your words down only to have them explode all over you when you're alone. Well, yeah. and you just, you keep internalizing that. And then that turns into the story of, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not worth enough. All oh, yeah. of those things that we have those conversations around that are, are not true, mm -hmm. but yet we have turned them into a truth by saying them over and over and over and over and over. You know, and sometimes, yeah. sometimes those have been, you know, reinforced by someone outside of our life who has in a lot of um, input or has been an integral part of our lives and you hear those and internalize them. And that's, I think, what starts the conversation from the very beginning. Yeah. Something you said about like going back to your childhood and identifying that one spot. I'm about to, to go back to, to therapy for the first time in 10 years, but I was in therapy for 10 years from the time I was nine years old to the time I was 19. And I did identify where the silence came from and what frustrated me a lot about therapy was like, okay, I've got all this awareness and I still feel fucked up. <laughs> like that's that's oh, what yeah. worked for me was um and I mean I'm I'm gonna be 33 on Monday. So it's been quite a break from therapy. And I'm sure I can I'm more open and I'm a different person to be receiving this information. But that was always hard for me. It was like, okay, yeah, I've identified, I've identified, I've identified. When's the healing start? <laughs> I came for well, the healing. And no one has a lock on processing time is what I call it, right? So you process whatever it is that you need to process in the time that you can process. You may be bouncing up against that thing over and over and over and over and over until you get to that point where you can finally then be able to unpack it enough and maybe only process part of it. Maybe you don't make yeah. it through processing the whole incident or the whole trauma or whatever it is, but you get to a point where you have to give yourself the space to go, I'm okay in spite of all of this. It mm. might still continue to 
come up and I need to be gentle with myself as I continue to go through that. And again, for me, I find it sometimes easier to forgive others. I find before forgiving myself, I find it easy to put myself in that lockbox of every single mistake that I ever made and beat Mm -hmm. myself over it repeatedly over and over and over and over again. Um, And the reality for me is that I am much harder on myself than anybody else is in my life. And then when someone else is hard on me, then I take that in and internalize it and turn up the heat on Mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a learned pattern of behavior. And I liken it to the layers of the onion. You didn't get where you are today Mm -hmm. in one fell swoop. It was one layer after another, after another, after another. And you have to peel those layers back one at a time. And sometimes you peel one back and then it sort of slips back up again and you got to repeal it back down again. Those those tend to be my least favorite layers. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like, I don't like do overs on things that I've healed. I'm like, ah, you, you're gone. You're done. Well, and and that's where you have to bump up the fact that you didn't actually probably heal the whole thing, that there's still something there, right? That scab still hasn't healed over into a scar, and you're still at some layer picking that little scab. Even though you think it's healed, it's like, oh, look at that. Let's just get in there and dig around a little oh, bit. Oh, God, more. yeah. I have the hardest time with that. When I when I see thing I thought I'd healed, I'm like, what are you doing here? I banished you with yeah. self-love. Get out. Yeah. And that we as women are not allowed to express anger. We're not allowed to express some of our feelings. That's just a societal thing of it, you know, you're not allowed to be too powerful. You're not allowed to be too intelligent. You're not allowed to take up too much space. Well, I'm almost six foot tall. I can't do anything about how much space I take up when I walk into a room. That's just what it is. Right. So I look at that and I look like, look at how much as women we have internalized all of those messages Mm -hmm. and the episode of topic talk that's coming out about body image, it was so interesting to listen to these three other women talk about how as female, we are sexualized at such a much younger age than men are, really? than boys are. And, we and, called, and what that does to our psyche and the stories. Yeah. I have a, there's, there's this little meme that says, stop slut shaming girls when you were the ones sexualizing them since they were 12 years old. Well, even younger than that sometimes, right? Oh, completely, so completely. Yeah. And you, and you look at stuff like that and you think there's no wonder that women don't feel empowered to use their voices, that they have terrible conversations in their head, mm-hmm. that you know, we're told that you have to look a certain way, that youth is the most important thing and anti-aging this. And I can't stand the fucking word anti-aging. I know. I I got taught the messaging that I heard was you should eat the discomfort in the room before you let anyone else feel it. That was what I, I realized was like, you be uncomfortable rather than make somebody else uncomfortable. And that's something that I have to unlearn every single day. I don't have to like scream at people, but I don't have to be super uncomfortable just to make you okay. Yeah. And that is a lot of times what, that's what we are programmed 
as as girls is yeah. you know it, you don't get to be able to speak your feelings or your needs or any of that and that someone else who has power whether it be physical power or monetary power or mm -hmm. political power or whatever it is that they have the right to wield that however they choose and you don't have an option to fight back and my attitude with that is look the fuck out because i'm coming through with my Same. bat baby Same. <laughs> You know, I, and, and that's just not okay with me, yeah. but it took me a long time to learn that. And there are still days I have to go back and learn something new about it. And it can be frustrating. And then other times I just have to go, you know, I didn't think about that. That's sort of an interesting thing. I'm going to have to do a little more thought around. But. Yeah. Empathy, empathy, empathy for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I want to thank you so much for joining me today and making the time in your schedule to do this. I am so thankful that I found you on Instagram. I just, I love your posts where you, you do your little clips of your movement patterns and yeah. I, it's, it's just very inspiring. And I see now that you're on playbook. I'm going to start then. That's, that's one of the things that I'm trying out where it was like you were saying, what lights you up? It's really been lighting me up to think about being able to share my classes for people who've gone away or people who just wouldn't be able to yes. teach them. Um, accessibility is really important. And I would love to be able to have a space where you could do donation to do my classes. Like that would be ideal for me. But Playbook is the way I'm going to get started with it. And I'm excited about it. I'm really grateful to Carrie for posting about me and asking me to be on, on Playbook because I was kind of sitting there like, I need to do something different. And this is different. This is very awkward. Teaching to an iPhone, super weird. It's not very. <laughs> it, 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 it is a little weird because you, I would imagine that you probably uh, play off of the energy in the exactly. room of the students. Exactly. Yeah. And watching you back, I'm like, so I've got to do something different. I'm not like, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's such an experience when you do the whole thing. You know, with the yes. music that you it's choose. It's a delicate it. balance. And it's just, it's it like, huh. And just putting it on a video, like, the experience is very different. And because of copyright, my classes are so music dependent that my classes feel like they're missing something. And they are, they're missing the music. So yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to keep playing around with it and I'm excited about it, but it's just, it's different. <laughs> and then it. tell everyone where they can find you on Instagram. Oh, Lord. Instagram is Erintron, which I chose when I was 22, you guys. I was just joking with a friend and I was like, what would my name be if I was a robot? This is a, like a robot app. My name would be Erintron, beep, boop, boop. And now I use it for work <laughs> and I hate it. I really do hate it. I like I've wanted to change it for so long. I just wanted my name. But a guy who's never posted has my name. Like one oh. picture from 2011. And I'm like, hey. yeah, but what if you what if you put a little an, an underscore or, you I know, a, something between your first and last name? I, do that. I was thinking also of just writing out my whole name. But then I like whenever I read Aaron Patricia Gilmore, I can just hear my parents yelling it at the top of their lungs. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I want that. Yeah, to be the no. with my. <laughs> Every time I thought on the Instagram, I hear myself getting screamed at from down at the bottom of the stairs at my house. <laughs> All right. Well, I hope everyone goes and checks you out and follow her on Spotify. You're on. You're under Erin Gilmore, oh, yeah. I believe, aren't Aaron you? On Spotify, Gilmore, yeah. And all of the playlists are called Current Mood, and we're currently at uh, Current Mood 155. So there's a lot of them. 
There's a lot of them. I I just go through them and go, oh my God, this woman is prolific with her music. I love it. I just love I it. Absolutely I love it. I had a chart reading a few years ago and she said to me, I don't know what this means, but you have something special with music. She was like, everyone has something special with music. We are all touched by music. Um, she was like, but you should do something with music and it's not playing it. I don't know what that means, but you should do something with music. And that was right around this time I started making weekly playlists for my classes and music and movement music and movement that um that always works so yeah <laughs> well thank you again i am yeah, so happy to have really met you that. and that's a great great i look forward to future conversations <laughs> yeah me too me too thank you so much you are so welcome